We are joined by Mark Tui to bring some sunshine. Uh, Mark Tui, trusted advisor to business and political leaders. Good morning, sir. And a ray of sunshine into everybody's life. Although Absolutely. Two weeks ago, we were talking about how nice it was to see the sunrise while we talked early in the morning. Now yeah. it is pitch blackout. Thank you, time change. Yeah. Okay, so listen, um, this is a bombshell to say the least, if true, uh, that a Liberal MP told the Consul General in Toronto for China China, that China should continue to hold the two Michaels because setting them free would benefit the Conservatives. I don't know if you were listening to Scott Reed a few minutes ago, but he was pointing out that the logic doesn't make a great deal of sense, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, logic very rarely enters into politics and probably less so into some forms of uh, this type of activity. A couple of things to remember. I agree with Scott that there's just no getting around some form of public inquiry now. So why the prime minister continues to feel like he can delay this and belabor it and to punt it over the horizon. Either there's an election very quickly in the, the future coming or I don't know, something else is going on there. I don't understand his logic because there doesn't seem to be any. But uh, we also have to remember that intelligence uh, services are Canadian security intelligence service they investigate security intelligence they do not investigate criminal intelligence and so when uh, the former uh, Dick Fadden one of the former director generals of CSIS was on I think with Vashi uh, earlier this week uh, saying that hey you got to remember none of this is criminal that wasn't poo-pooing the import of the allegations. That was pointing out that perhaps some of it should be criminal, in which case uh, CSIS would be forced to hand off this file to the RCMP for a criminal investigation, uh, which then drags it into the light and out of the shadows. Um, so, I mean, you, obviously we go to inquiry, but aside from that, um, this is sort of like it doesn't matter if it's true or not. This kind of blows up in the face of the Liberal government to the point where maybe they're toast. Yeah, I don't think this started off as a partisan thing, but uh, the Prime Minister and the PMO's response to this has made it a partisan thing. I mean, what Canadians, I think, want to see is uh, a bit of an investigation, but they want to see a Prime Minister. They want to see a government that's upset. I mean, yes, China is not the only country that has ever tried to meddle in our affairs. Uh, that's uh, par for the course. But we are the only country, perhaps, on the face of the earth that has kind of just looked at it and go, eh, shrugged. So, you know your way around a municipal race, and the mayor's race in Toronto is almost reaching comic proportions, I think. Uh, Mitzi Hunter has announced that she's going to resign her seat as an MPP and run for mayor. There's a huge push for Olivia Chow to run for mayor, and Frank D'Angelo has declared he's running for mayor. <laughs> well, uh, Giorgio uh, Mamaliti, you know, uh, he declared last week, yeah. so uh, Frank D'Angelo, there you go. Uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, there are always 40 or 50, can well, 30 to 50 candidates in a typical mayoral race in uh, Toronto, but usually that includes 90% basically sort of vanity candidates, wingnuts. Yeah. In this case, we've got half a dozen for sure, maybe getting close to 10 uh, solid C-listers, I would say. I don't think there's any A-list candidates yet in the race and probably won't be. But what this means, John, is that one of these candidates could possibly take the cake, win the whole shebang, with 15-20% of the vote if it gets split relatively easily amongst all of these kind of somewhat 
well-known people, if they can motivate, you know, their closest followers to show up, you could have a mayor in Toronto who has strong powers for the first time ever and is almost zero mandate to use them. So it could be a very interesting fractious council coming out of this. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And we could end up with an accidental mayor. It could be anybody and it could end. It could be Frank D'Angelo. Yeah, it could be John Moore. Are you running? Are you willing to announce right here today? No, I always say it's too much like a real job. (laughs) Okay, it's budget day in Ontario. I'm not a big believer in spending a lot of time talking about what might be in the budget, but your uh, quick thoughts on what might happen at 4 o'clock this afternoon. I think Toronto will be uh, disappointed. Uh, Toronto has gone on a spending spree, partly induced by COVID. And then once the inhibitions were off, they just kept spending on things. And Toronto has always had a spending problem, much more than a revenue problem, because Toronto just likes to do everything. And council has long, without strong mayor powers, just been a group that everybody wants to get along. And you get along by just going along with any ridiculous spending idea. Uh, The three-day... The loss of the three days of paid sick leave, I think some people will feel that, but clearly it didn't make much of a difference in terms of, uh, you know, public health policy. And it doesn't, it applies to increasingly fewer people. I mean, there are so many people now working in a gig economy who don't have one employer and don't work sort of as an employee. So three days of paid sick leave is kind of meaningless for somebody like me. I don't have an employer that could give me paid sick leave, even if uh, they wanted to. Or were required by law to. I'm going to bundle three stories together because they kind of fall into the same category. In Chicago, the NHL team uh, will not be wearing pride-themed jerseys because they didn't want to offend a couple of the Russians who are on the teams. Um, LGBTQ activists in Uganda are uh, in shock because they say new anti-gay legislation even could impose the death penalty on gay people. And then you got Governor DeSantis in Florida who's decided to extend the Don't Say Gay legislation right through to the end of high school. So basically, no kid will ever, ever know from school, at the very least, that gay people even exist. I always thought, Mark, that, you know, rights and respect once granted would never be withdrawn. But apparently, as concerns queer issues, that ain't true. Yeah, I don't think you can lump those three stories together. Uh, The NHL and Chicago's Blackhawks and their two Russian players, that is a reaction less to the gay LGBT issues and more to the authoritarianism of uh, Vladimir Putin and fear about what might happen to two of their, uh, you know, their players who are Russian citizens. They passed a law in Russia that would sort of potentially reach out and uh, do harm to them if they were identified as, you know, LGBT. BTQ uh, friendly or allies. Uh, the Florida one, I can't, I haven't looked at the law, but the last time I looked at one of the laws that everybody was upset about, it frankly didn't say uh, what people said it said, although the people who wrote it would like you to think it said what they said it said because it was politically expedient for them to be seen to be on one side of the issue. Uh, I think the, and, you know, just crazy wackadoodle laws out of Africa, which happens there, but, uh, and they threaten people's lives and but that's you know the least of the things that threatens people's lives in some of these uh, crazy uh, authoritarian regimes there. I'm not sure that this is a, a rights issue. It's a bit of a pushback, perhaps, in some areas in 
the United States to the fact that pride in particular has become less, well, no, maybe not less about the rights of LGBTQ people, but it has also become in its own right a political force. And so it's got opponents on the political side, not just on the human rights side. And so I, I think it's a murky issue. And one last topic, and that would be don't feed the animals. As of the 1st of April, it is prohibited to feed animals, uh, wild animals, in the city of Toronto. I say bring it on, but I guess some people still like giving kibble to raccoons. Well, not just giving kibble to raccoons, but it's now also illegal, apparently, I was listening to your show earlier, to feed stray feral cats to coyotes, uh, but, uh, you know, which does seem, you know, a bit beyond the pale. I don't like this law. I don't think this should be a law. I think this should be a public education campaign, but, uh, you know, that type of nuance and subtlety is beyond the reach of uh, municipal bureaucrats and municipal politicians. They need to pass laws or they don't get credit for doing anything. I don't think this law will ever be enforced uh, on its own. Uh, somebody shows up and you know you become uh, angry with your neighbor. Uh, this is be this will be an allegation you can cast across the fence like being a witch and somebody will have to come investigate it and perhaps write a ticket. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Take care, John. Mark Tui on the morning brief.